This episode of Live Incorporate is brought to you by Blind. Blind is a safe, trusted community of more than 5 million verified professionals. Head over to teamblind.com to get the latest insights into salaries, company reviews, and interview experiences at thousands of companies worldwide. This is Including You, the new series from Lead at Any Level. Including You features stories from chief diversity officers and other executives who are creating inclusive cultures in their organizations. Our goal is to show what's working in companies just like yours, to give you the tools you need to keep pushing for progress in your own workplace. We want to create belonging and opportunity for everyone, including you. And now here's your host, Amy C. Wanninger. Welcome back to Including You. I'm your host, Amy C. Wanninger. My guest today is Blessing Allison. Blessing is the Director of Learning and Development at the Red River Federal Credit Union. Based in Texarkana, Texas, Red River Credit Union employs over 350 local residents. They manage over a billion dollars in assets, and their membership is over 110,000 strong. Blessing, welcome to the show. Hi, Amy. Thank you for having me. I am really excited to talk to you. My understanding is that you all are pretty new in your diversity and inclusion journey. Is that correct? Yes. So we are fairly new in actually defining what our DEI journey and strategy is. Absolutely. Why was this a priority for the credit union? When you really think about credit unions and how we were founded way back when, it truly was credit unions were people helping people, right? It was a group of people coming together because we, the people couldn't work with the bank or they didn't want to pay the high interest. So that diversity and inclusion are truly, if you think about it, at the heart of credit unions. So it's been there all along and the priority really stemmed from really taking that heart and defining what that needs to look like today in today's world. A lot has changed from when credit union started. So today, strategically, what does that look like? And I think society has really challenged a lot of organizations to look at themselves and to define, this is our strategy. This is our commitment. This is who we are when it comes to DEI, and then to be more transparent with that. And I think that was really the priority for us was diversity, equity, inclusion has been at the heart, but have we defined it? Have we really showed up for the public saying, this is our heart, this is why we do what we do, and this is why it's important to us. And so I know that you're early in your journey, but what have you done so far? What do you feel like is working to kind of move you forward into this space within the credit union? Absolutely. Education, I would say, number one, and I think that goes without saying for anything else, is when you really set a tone, because culture was so important when it comes to DEI, and we really wanted to make sure that the employees that we had here really felt like they had a voice. And that was our number one priority. So the first thing that we did was just to launch in the ERG groups. But then we kind of had to take a step back and realize like ERG may mean something to me because I've been researching and diving into this whole diversity and inclusion. But for my staff, they've never heard ERGs before. And so even going back to say, this is what an employee resource group is. And this is why it's important to the credit union. This is why it's valuable to you as an employee. 
And once they've captured that vision, it's just taken off. So we've really enjoyed our ERGs and they've really been beneficial in the education to even our communities to then go out and say, hey, this is what we represent here. And we want to blend the lines between our organization and what our communities look like. So that's been a huge success. We've had a blast with the celebration pieces of it. Our employees have really loved celebrating what makes them who they are. And then we've seen that in those celebrations, that excitement is spilling over into the community and into the employees are feeling like they're allowed to be their authentic self at work, or maybe before they thought they could be, but they weren't exactly sure. And now it's actually given them a platform to be, this is who I am and I'm excited to be here. And not only that, but it's valuable for me to be who I am at Red River Credit Union. So how many ERGs have you launched so far? Oh, I think we've launched about six. I would have to go look. So we have our Latinx group. We have our teal vets. So teal is our brand color. We've actually used the word teal as our acronym to define our core values. That was something we did when we really started doing our DEI strategy. When we focused on the culture was to say, this is our DEI commitment. This is who we are as a company. So our core values were defined. So in our core values, it's team focus, excellent authenticity, and leading and innovation. And the authenticity is so important for DNI because that truly is how you bring in the trust factor when you're working with DNI strategies. So we have our Teal Vets, our Latinx, we have our LGBTQ. ERG, call them Teal Pride, and then we have our women's group so far, and our, they call RRUB, our Red River Unapology Black group as well, and they're very awesome. So when you started these ERGs, was it a different, companies have different models, was it a top-down sort of thing where you said, okay, we're going to launch ERGs, and you went and recruited people to be part of them, or were these more grassroots efforts that people came to you and said, we want to start a group for for ourselves so we can stay connected. So it started from the top down. And luckily what we're seeing is we're starting to see the grassroots one come about now. So I'm excited about that. Cause like I said, we really had to take a step back and really educate our staff on what ERGs were, why they were vital to a DEI program, why they were important to us. And what we did, what I found to be the most organic way to start an ERG was to take a diversity and inclusion calendar and start recognizing, you know, events that are on the calendar worldwide that people are celebrating already, because that was just a natural, those topics were already being discussed, people were already aware. And so we would take this event, maybe like Hispanic Heritage Month is coming up. And that was one of our first that we did. And so we took the event and we formed a group just said, hey, if you want to help us plan events, topics for Hispanic Heritage Month, anyone can join. And so from that, it was a planning committee that then transitioned into, hey, this is an employee resource group. And what's your vision? What do you want to see come from this? So that's how we just slipped it in without it being like, oh, this is an ERG and we're going to start it today. And so that has worked. And now as employees are learning the value of that, 
they're coming with their own and saying, hey, we want to start this group or this. So it's been exciting to see. You mentioned a community aspect. My guess is that this is going to help you spread the word about the credit union and what services the credit union provides in different communities where you have branches and where you have operations, but also probably help not just bring folks in, but help understand, help the credit union understand what are the specific needs of those communities. So you're bringing something different to market maybe than you would without this input. Is that correct? Yeah, absolutely. One of the fun things that we've really taken on was our Hispanic Heritage Group and our RUB group. They really love food. Food is very much a part of their culture. And so what we've done is a lot of times, like in Hispanic Heritage Month, we've had these food truck Fridays where they pick vendors of their community to come and set up in some of our branch parking lots to sell food. And what it's done is brought more of that community to us but then it allows us to go and meet them. And we've been able to make a lot of partnerships that way and showing, hey, these are products and services that could help your business. But we're also learning more. Did we actually have a good product for, excuse me, for that business? Was it as good as we thought it was? Because now we're actually getting to talk to the communities to really, like you said, learn. We may think it's a great product, but when it actually penetrates that community, does it serve their financial needs, which is our ultimate goal here. And your credit union was actually formed from a veterans group, right? From a group of army recruits. Can you talk a little bit about the founding of the credit union? Because I think the credit union's founding almost feeds into this notion of folks who maybe were not well served by traditional banks, traditional financial services vehicles. And now you're taking that to a next evolution of service. Can you talk a little bit about that? Absolutely. So we started back in 1948. I think we had a total of six people. I think it was like $46, $48 in the group. And going back a little bit further than that, in the financial world, I started in banks. Nothing wrong with them at all. I know some great people who work there. But when I started, I had a lot of coworkers who were going to Red River Credit Union and I was like, what's so great about that? And I started looking and I was like, man, our products and services seem very similar. And at the time, I actually found a course through our learning management system that talked about the difference between a credit union and a bank. Because I was just curious, like, why are all my coworkers going to work for this credit union? And it really talked about how back, can't even remember the time, but I think Germany was the original group, was bakers or farmers that couldn't afford to borrow money from the payday lenders, from the banks, who came together to say, hey, we're a group of farmers and we're going to help each other out. So we'll all put some money in. And as Amy, as you need it, I'm going to give you some, you're going to pay it back into the pot. And so it really was all about people helping people financially reach goals that otherwise they would not be able to meet. And when I read that and knowing to like our board of directors are completely volunteer we're technically classified as a not-for-profit. So anything that we profit has to be poured back into our membership base. It's just a different way to work in the financial world when you know that's your foundation. And so it wasn't long after doing that course that I knew credit unions were the only way for me to go. And I've been here ever since. But for us, we have a huge army depot that is out here. And that is essentially what started us was vets 
coming together and needing a place to borrow money. So it used to just be for the Army Depot, hence our name. And then it has evolved into all the communities around. The one thing we still strive on is a lot of military bases or Army Depots, they will have contracts that end, they will have funding that stops. And so a lot of these people will go through layoffs, uncertainties about how long that contract's going to be. And we always prioritize that. So if we know this group of people are going to be laid off, they've got loans with us, we're already having a game of place to reach out and say, hey, this is how we're going to help you to make sure you're not losing your home during this time. You're not losing your vehicles, things like that. So it's a really neat thing to be behind. You know, the fact that you're in the community already and you've got not just roots in the community, but you're there. Yeah. Makes those conversations so much easier and so much more natural, I think, than I've gotten these, I've gotten these emails from the big banks before, right? right. So big bank USA, right? Because we know that people are falling on hard times. If you need help, call this 800 number. Yes. And there's, you feel like, yeah, the number's there, but I don't know if I should call it. But when it blessing in the office down the street is calling me because she knows me yes. to say, hey, I understand what's happening. We've been working on this. We have a plan for you. Yes. I think that makes a big difference. And especially for folks who would not have a trusted banking relationship otherwise, because they've been excluded from the financial services industry or the financial yeah. services historically. And so I think that that marriage of not just the mission, but the local presence yes. is really valuable to people who have been excluded in the past. Absolutely. And it's even thinking of ways as a credit union, there's more ways that we can develop and maybe even lending needs for our areas. Like you'll find payday lenders are prominent in minority communities. And so one of the biggest things that we are passionate about is financial literacy and going into those same communities that these payday loans are targeting who don't have laws to say how much interest they could charge. So they can charge whatever they want to go in and say, let us help you create a budget. Let us help you create a trust or a will for something that happens. Or we've even got some service groups that can help with Medicaid when it comes time for that. So really the partnership is there from the moment they become one of us till they no longer need us. And it's what can we do in every stage of your life to be that financial ally for our communities that we serve? And we do prominently serve the minority communities. A lot of credit unions, that is their field of membership. And so you have operations, not just in Texarkana, but in four states, correct? Yes. Yeah. And so are the communities that you're serving in all four states, are they similar or do they differ by geography? They do very much differ. So we have Texarkana, Texas. We do go almost all the way out to Dallas. So we're expanding out that way, Marshall, Greenville, things like that. We go up to Arkansas and then Louisiana and Mississippi look very different than our Arkansas and Texas. So I would say Arkansas is predominantly Hispanic as far as our communities. And then in Mississippi, we're in the Delta area. So that's a, a minority area as well. And it's a very poor area, but we've got two branches located out there and a wonderful staff that really has 
worked with the community and serves it very well. No, it looks very different. Yeah, so serving the Black community in the Delta space and yeah. then more Hispanic community yeah. in the, in the, it's not really the middle of the country, but I think of Arkansas as the middle of the country, <laughs> just in my head where the geography goes. No, that's fascinating. Building that connection in, inside the organization to the community outside the organization and helping bridge that gap and, and build the communication channels back and forth is yeah. really important. What's next for Red River in this journey that you're on? Absolutely. So I feel the last two years, like I said, we focused on our employee resource group. We focused on leadership training, really teaching what diversity and inclusion is, because one of the questions that I have found that you get a lot when you're celebrating and honoring diversity is, if you're preaching inclusion blessing, why are you so focused on diversity? And so really that education piece of learning that without knowing what makes you and I different, we cannot be inclusive as an organization because what makes Amy successful is not what makes Blessing successful. And I need, in knowing what makes us different, I know what resources you need and I know what resources I need. So I feel like that has been our focus. So my heart for 2023 is that we will move more into the equity pieces. So really finding like you asked earlier, we're very different in the communities that we serve based on our branch locations. So really narrowing down that member experience to make sure that the branches are focused on what Texas needs may not be what Mississippi needs. And how do we serve and offer a personalized experience equity-wise to the communities that we're in? Because we don't want to just be in the communities. We want to be part of that community. So that's where I'm looking to go in 2023 is to really focus on products and services, what our branch looks like, and making sure that trust and those needs are being met in each of the communities that we're in currently. Blessing, I want to thank you for sharing about the credit union's history, your mission to this point, and what's next for you. Thank you so much. Yeah, it was and a pleasure. I'm really glad to have you on the show. Thank you. Thanks, Amy. If you've enjoyed this episode, follow Lead at any level on LinkedIn and YouTube. Then join us for Including You video simulcast every Thursday at noon Eastern. Including You can also be enjoyed each week as part of the Living Corporate Audio Podcast Series, available on all major podcast platforms. Learn more at living-corporate.com. Including You is brought to you in part by Lead at Any Level, a boutique training and consulting firm improving employee engagement and retention for companies that promote from within. Lead at Any Level. Leaders can be anywhere and should be everywhere. Learn more at leadatanylevel.com. Lead at Any Level and its logo are registered trademarks of Lead at Any Level LLC. The views and opinions of guests on our show do not necessarily reflect the positions of Lead at Any Level, Living Corporate, or the sponsors of Including You. That's it for this episode of Including You. Join me next week when my guest will be Val Torres from the Hispanic Chamber of Commerce in Pinellas County, Florida little bit more about what ESG is, especially in the context of, of in the insurance industry, because that's a relatively new term that people may not be as familiar with. Yeah, e-environmental and compliance and thinking about our carbon footprint, social, how do we show up? And in the space of diversity, equity, inclusion, that is a lot of the S, if you will, and G for governance, you know, how our organization is impacting and how it is structured is really critical and how we make decisions and where our values might be.
So when we think of, you know, folks are probably more aware of corporate social responsibility. And that really goes hand in hand with ESG and, and sustainability, if you will. And organizations who want to differentiate themselves from a business perspective and an employer perspective, these are things that um, organizations are starting to lean into. The other thing is, Amy, uh, when we think of partnering with businesses and our suppliers and our vendors and our centers of influence, when businesses are seeking partners, some of their requests for proposals are including, tell us a little bit about your DEI journey or your commitment to ESG. What does that look like? So this type of corporate responsibility work and social impact work is becoming part of business and business questions that organizations are being asked. I think it's really important for people to understand that the insurance industry, while perhaps lagging behind some of the other industries in these areas, really is. I've seen a lot of initiatives coming out of different companies, large companies like MMA and some of the big carriers, smaller regional companies, even small agencies. And I know that there is a perception because I've worked in the industry for so long. I know there's a perception about what insurance is and what it looks like. And I'm not going to say that's all false. It's not all false, but there is movement in this area and it is a great place, a great place to work, a great place to have an impact. But also there's real opportunity for people who want to make change and who want to leave their mark on an industry to to step in and say, look, here's what I'm seeing elsewhere. Here's what is happening in the market outside of insurance. Here's what's happening in tech and in banking and in philanthropy and higher education, right? Because the thing about insurance is it touches all those other things. If the players in the industry don't keep up on what's going on outside the industry, then they won't have market share anymore, basically. So for those who are thinking about career changes, it's a great way to get in and say, look, I've got all this experience in another industry and here's how it might serve, might serve the insurance industry, but also just really give you a a place to, to have a real impact economically, socially, globally, as well as within your company. I love, you You get it to the heart of why I'm in this work because it is for impact. It is for change making and not just in our organization, but we really want to lead. And, and to your point, other industries are doing this work. And when we work with our clients, it's not unusual for some of our service teams or production teams, consultants working with that client to talk about our DEI journey and to ask them what their journey looks like and to exchange best practices or pitfalls to avoid. So we are really starting to have more of these conversations with our clients for the exact thing that you're talking about because other industries are doing this work. The Associated General Contractors comes to mind and from a national level, uh, they have something called a culture of care which has everything to do with a diversity, equity, and inclusion and creating a psychological safety and making sure that when we think about women in that industry, there's a great opportunity there. And, and how can I make sure that I can show up as a woman who can drive that fork, forklift or manage that job site? And learning from different industries can be really helpful. I'm with you. I want to make an impact that allows us to impact our communities for positive change for all people. And I, that's why I'm here in this industry, because of what you're talking about. We touch all different organizations and businesses. And if we can lead from the front, 
and have these conversations with our clients. And I'm always so honored when I get pulled into a conversation to learn from them or to share our best practices and just inspire folks to do this work. So what's next for MMA? Now that you're in your role, you've been in your role about coming up on a year now. My sense of time is all screwed up because of COVID and school <laughs> years and things like yes. the calendar doesn't make sense to me anymore, but you've been in the role almost a year and you've had the CRG set up for a, a while. You've had the DEI council. What's next for MMA in this space? My hope is really now that we've done a good job with setting up our culture, we've gotten affirmation in so many spaces from colleagues around inclusion that we can really get purposeful about thinking differently about talent. So some new partnerships that we have who are helping us be better would be the National African American Insurance Association, the Association for Professional Insurance Women. We have women in our organization, but are they elevated to decision-making and resource-wielding positions? A link, USA is a new organization in our industry. Uh, you can follow them on, on LinkedIn that centers the LGBTQ plus community. And one of my colleagues in our Southeast region is just establishing an Asian American insurance network. So these are some places where we need to get intentional again to meet different talent. Because if we go the same paths, and I think of myself as a leader when I'm recruiting or have recruited, I've had to learn different pathways, Amy, in order to expand my network and my reach, if you will. So that's what I'd like us really to get intentional and have some, I've asked the regions to consider partnerships in their regions that might make sense for them. If it is a chapter of the National African American Insurance Association, or maybe it's Inroads or the Cristo Rey Network, which are amazing organizations across the United States that work with underrepresented high school students or college students to introduce them to our industry. So that's really my call to action um, for our leaders is to get intentional about developing different networks and attracting different talent. I love that you say networks because that's where my work started was trying to get people to diversify their networks. And so they can see, see their industries, see their companies, see their own work from multiple perspectives, identify barriers that exist for others that don't exist for them, and then start to make change. Kira, thank you so much for joining me today on Including You. I'm so glad that we got a chance to reconnect, and I look forward to what's next at Marsh. Thanks so much for the conversation today, Amy. If you've enjoyed this episode, follow Lead at any level on LinkedIn and YouTube. Then join us for Including You video simulcast every Thursday at noon Eastern. Including You can also be enjoyed each week as part of the Living Corporate Audio Podcast Series, available on all major podcast platforms. Learn more at living-corporate.com. Including You is brought to you in part by Lead at Any Level, a boutique training and consulting firm improving employee engagement and retention for companies that promote from within. Lead at Any Level. Leaders can be anywhere and should be everywhere. Learn more at leadatanylevel.com. Lead at Any Level and its logo are registered trademarks of Lead at Any Level LLC. The views and opinions of guests on our show do not necessarily reflect the positions of Lead at Any Level, Living Corporate, or the sponsors of Including You. That's it for this week's episode of Including You. Join me next week when my guest will be Ivalice Crespo from Reed Smith. We'll be talking about modeling transparency in the legal industry. Living Corporate is brought to you by Doximity. 
Doximity is committed to fostering an inclusive and diverse work environment where differences are valued, practices are equitable, and employees experience a sense of belonging that allows them to bring their full, authentic selves daily. As medicine's largest network, there's an elevated level of responsibility to everything we do. We don't take that responsibility lightly and are committed to working towards a more equitable world inside and beyond our virtual office walls. So if you want to learn more about Doximity, go to your app store and type in D-O-X-I-M-I-T-Y. Again, that's D-O-X-I-M-I-T-Y. 